Welcome back to the Actors Room, everyone. Part two of our best supporting actors slash actresses in the Actors Room, episode 46. And Dave is back with me once again, and we're going to highlight the top 20 dramatic supporting roles that we feel really did touch us in ways that we feel they made the movies better. Like I said in the previous episode, they do. So it's fun to just sit here with my brother and talk about these performances because they truly are great and they need to be talked about. And to start it off, our top 20, we're going to go in reverse like we did last time, a countdown. And before we start talking about these actors, is there anything you want to point out before we like move any further? Like an opinion about the, the show and how it's going or just this episode? Anything you want to point out? Um... I don't think so. No? Okay. No. Like, once in a while, we like to start our episodes, which is kind of touching on something, but not doing a specific artist, I find it a little harder because it's so broad out there. Right. We have so many people that we're going to talk about. I find myself not having, like, little tidbits of information that I kind of want to put in there. So I think we're just going to dive right into it and start off at number 20 and talking about this actor who... Uh, Really did for me in this role of 12 Monkeys, uh, he plays a guy named Jeffrey. And he is all over the place in this movie. Now, did you see this in the theater when it came yeah, out? I yeah, I did. So did I. I did. We might have been watching it together. Uh, I'm no, not sure. I think I saw it with Ramsey. Oh, did you? Okay. Pretty sure. Yeah, I went and saw this movie when it came out. Ramsey's a buddy of mine, by the way. Yeah, he's a real good Ooh, friend. Uh, he lives in New York now, right? He is in New York. Yeah, he's a great guy. And... I want to go ahead and mention Ramsey, actually, because okay. <laughs> he's, a, he's a big supporter of this show. And I always nice. think to myself, I got to mention him. And I just I forget. I'm sorry, man. I've always wanted to kind of point you out and give you props. I think he listens to all our episodes. Awesome. And well, once in a while, remark and send me a text and say, ah, it's a really good episode. That's great. So shouting out to Ramsey. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Tell your friends. <laughs> tell all your family. We want all of these people to kind of, you know, listen to our show, bump it up in the in the rankings, whatnot. So thank you so much for listening. Um, talking about Brad Pitt and 12 Monkeys, you saw in the theater too. I was blown yeah, away I, by that I, performance. I, I'm not sure how much I thought of Brad Pitt mm. in, before the, this. Thelma Louise. Uh, he yeah, did some silly stuff. I mean, that was, I barely remembered that role. Yeah. But like, um, I can't remember exactly what he did before this, but I was blown away by his performance. Yeah, so was I. He was all over the place. Like I said, he and, was. Um, the note I have here is that the director, Terry Gilman, Gilliam. Gilliam, he took away his cigarettes. I have that too. Yeah. Brad Pitt loves to smoke. He's a chain smoker. Yeah, he does. He enjoys his cigarettes. So in, in the way that the director, he wanted to have him on edge. Right? And he was. He took away his cigarettes. That nicotine. <laughs> Dude, I would fucking kill now, somebody. Do you think he took the cigarettes away for the whole production? Yeah, no, I don't know. I That's crazy if he did. Because I'm sure Brad was sneaking some in behind him. Yeah, you know, he, the he, set. Probably, he probably limited okay. his intake of nicotine, which is enough, man. Yeah. I know after, uh, for me, if after about four hours, mm -hmm. uh, I start getting edgy. You do. You start Maybe to kind of to the point of Brad Pitt and Twelve Monkeys, <laughs> but you know, I, I start getting like, yeah, uh, antsy. Yeah, in, in a similar way. 
his the way his eyes are bugging out. Well, he had um, didn't he have a contact lens? Oh, I is that what it was? To, uh, make his eye. He looked cross-eyed. He looked completely strung out though. Mm-hmm. Like he was weeding off of something. Obviously nicotine, maybe. Um, but his performance, I sat there in that theater. I watched it in that very first scene when he's in that loony bin, mm-hmm. and he's talking with Bruce Willis. I, I, I said to myself, he's going to be nominated for best supporting actor. I, I could feel it. Now I was partly wrong and partly right. He was not nominated for an Oscar, but he won the Golden Globe. For best supporting actor. Wow, and then so, wasn't nominated for the Oscar. Wasn't nominated for, but got the Golden Globe. But got the Golden Globe, wow. which is interesting. Yeah, you, that's kind of strange. You win the Golden Globe, it's almost like a, a shoe lock. to at least get nominated. Yeah, to at least get nominated. At least get nominated. But he didn't. They did not appreciate his performance at the Academy. Wow. I don't know why, but the Golden Globes, they did, and this performance was great. I was blown away by his versatility. The fact that he wasn't the pretty boy, he shed that a little bit. Right. Am I right? He did. Absolutely. Uh, the way he looked, didn't look like the pretty boy. He looked strung out and dazed, confused. Uh, although his character was intelligent, he came from a rich family and things like that, he was definitely off his rocker. And he did a great job in portraying that. Brad Pitt, 12 Monkeys, 1995. Moving on to number 19 on the list. And it's kind of a combination. Yeah, we, we kind of kind of cheated here it's not just one <laughs> um we went with both olivia olympia uh, uh, olympia olympia dukakis and shirley mclean and steel magnolia yeah and i thought that was a nice choice because I, they complement one another they do they're so good in this movie yeah and they they have a comic sense to it uh i see this although it's a drama movie of course pretty heavy down drama yeah it is uh you get light-hearted fun especially from shirley mclean you yeah. really do. That character's amazing. I would think Dukakis, but... Oh, okay. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, I laugh more at Shirley MacLaine because she's just silly. She is. She's just grouchy. She says that she's been in a bad mood for 20 years or something like that. Right. She says that in the movie. And Olympia Dukakis, you're right. She's more of the hey, light. She's funny, man. She makes fun of her. Her name's Weezer in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. And she just makes fun of Shirley MacLaine nonstop. And it just comes through real well. And you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of great... Uh, actors and performances in this movie. They're there not are. just the only ones. Yeah. It, I mean, you could put the entire cast if you wanted to. Yeah, and you said that. You probably could. Yeah, and, but those two are, are great. And, and, spe- and specifically, that yeah. ending scene mm. at the the cemetery. Yeah. When Sally Field is losing it. Her yeah. Her daughter just passed away. And she's like, I just want to hit something. I just want to hit someone really hard. <laughs> and when Dukakis takes fucking Shirley MacLaine, she's like, hit her. Yeah, hit her. Hit her. <laughs> You want something to hit? Hit her. Yeah, I mean, that's so great. And Sally Field starts to laugh. They all yeah. have that moment. Yeah. It's so, it's beautiful. You're right. Olympia Dukakis. It's, yes. It's, Comic relief. Yeah. In the movie. She really was. Mm. I want to point out, too, my wife, Amy, loves Olympia Dukakis. I mean, she loves her. And, you know, she loves this movie, too. But every time Olympia's on screen, she can't help herself. Amy's like, I really like her. Absolutely. And I want to point out her performance in Moonstruck as well is really good. Uh, another movie that we love to watch, Moonstruck. Uh, so great to point out Olympia Dukakis and Shirley MacLaine. I've, I consider Shirley MacLaine one of the greatest actresses of all time. Can't argue with that. Right up there with Meryl okay. Streep. Um, she's done some great work, and she's been around for a long time. So moving on from 19, next on the list at 18 is 
Ed Harris is Gene Kranz in Apollo 13. Dave is a big fan of Ed Harris. So am I. Uh, we talked earlier. Doesn't give many bad performances. I don't think he has given a bad performance, but that I'm not sure. I haven't seen everything he's done. We've seen plenty. But you're right. But this role signifies control, I thought. Ed Harris has complete control of himself and the room. Uh, he is the man in charge. He's the guy. Okay, these astronauts, I mean, they're in dire straits. This is a big deal in American history. And it's kind of on his shoulders. He's the guy that's going to bring him home. Right. And you see it in his face. You see it in his movements. The guy is fucking tense. Yeah. There's a lot on the plate. And he does a great job in portraying that. Uh, and I think that Harris as an actor, he like he possesses a special skill or like a nuance. I don't know what it is about him, but he has that certain something as an actor. Uh, do you agree with me? It's oh, different. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know what it is, though. I can't put my finger on it. Is it maybe confidence? Yes. Okay. Um, and then him taking a role like this where he has to be in control. And you get that. Like, um, I think that you get an actor in that role that's not Ed Harris may not be as good. <laughs> I don't see anybody else playing that role and doing it as well, maybe, as Ed. And I have to agree with you. Um Ed Harris fucking takes every role by the horns, mm -hmm. and he executes so well. And uh, one of my favorite parts, there's two favorite parts okay. of mine in this movie, is when, and I, 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 I don't know if by quote, but the one guy is like, this is our, our worst hour or something yes. at NASA, and he's like, excuse me, sir, but I think this will be our finest hour. I love that. I love that line. Just the, It's a simple line. Mm. There's nothing really much to it, but the way he delivers it, yeah, it's so notch. assertive of just like you know it, what this is gonna be. Yeah, it's there's a there's an underlining of fuck you, dude. It's not on my watch. Yeah, it's gonna it, be our finest hour because you know what we're gonna bring him home. Yeah, you know, and and it's a very simple and not even he doesn't even say a word. But when they fucking make it back and you see him sit down in that chair, oh, that's the yeah. relieved and proud and happy and all those things, all those things you see going through him. Yeah. As he's just like relieved, like the world is on it his gives shoulders. Me goosebumps. Yeah, the world's on his shoulders, and when they find out that they're okay, they're home, and you see his sh like the world that falls off his shoulders. He's like, thank God. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, he's just so like happy, and everyone's cheering yeah. around him, and he's just so relieved. He's got his his fingers on his nose at one point. He's just yeah. like, it looks like he's just to, to himself, like, thank thank you God, thank you for bringing them. like that little moment that he has with himself. Is so powerful. Uh, God bless Ed Harris. I, I love the guy. I, He's you know amazing. What? I have a note here. I put, I think he would be a good man to know. Uh, he looked like somebody that I can go have a conversation with and have yeah. advice given to me. I agree with you. He just seems like that guy you would go to I, I, and open up to... Don't you get that from yeah, him? He's the type of guy that you could probably just have a beer with and, and yeah. have a great conversation. I just get that from him. He may not be. I don't know. I don't know Ed Harris. I don't know anything about him or heard anything. I think you do. You, with the performances he gives. You know a little bit about him in a way. Great stuff. Ed Harris, Apollo 13. Love it. Moving on to the next. And the next number is? 17. 17. Is Jack Nicholson in Terms of Endearment, 1983. Uh, there's a special place in my heart, uh, this character, um, just because the character himself is just a man-child, okay? He's a retired astronaut 
He lives in a really nice house. And his main goal is to get laid. <laughs> That's it. He wants to, you know, nail young girls. Like, they come up to the house and he's drunk. And his next door neighbor, played by Shirley MacLaine, his age, you know, they're neighbors. Yeah. They grew up next to each other for years, but never got close. Shirley MacLaine's character is kind of out there. She's kind of a bitch. And he's just this laid back, doesn't give a shit. The way he hits on her, he rubs his chest. Remember you know that He like rubs the hair in his chest. He's got his like his shirt open. He's so good. Yeah. And he the way he rubs his chest is like, Aurora, do you want to play with me? Do you want to play, Aurora? <laughs> you know, just so comfortable in that character. Very laid confident. Back, very, confident. very confident guy. And and to further express my appreciation for this character and what Jack Nicholson did is that later on in the film, I don't know if he transforms and grows, but he shows that side to himself, that vulnerability that he wants to sort of push away. You see it in the scene where Shirley MacLaine's um, daughter is dying. She's on the verge of death, and she's dating Jack, and he's just sort of not around. But he shows up at the hospital, and you get that scene. He's in a distance, and you just see him be there for her, and you get it inside. I don't know what it is about that scene, Every time I see it, I cry a little. It gets to me. It, it, it's a powerful... I, I, I think it's good directing, writing, whatever it is. Like He yeah. kind of is abandoned for a while. You don't really see him. And then all of a sudden, he's there. He's there for her. It means so much to her. And it you just kind of cheer for him because you're not sure about this guy. You're not. Does you he have know? a heart? Does he? Right. He does. And he's there for her. And it means a lot to the character. It you're shows so the happy side of as an audience member. Yeah. You're so happy to see him there we're, as much yeah. as she is. We're yeah, good point. We're just as happy as she is. It's That's like, a great fuck yeah, he's there. It's a great point, and uh, you get that to see the side of Jack Nicholson too as an actor. And in this movie, uh, Jack Nicholson really gave a great performance. A very small role, a, not a very big role. No. And yeah. that's why we put him supporting Terms of Endearment, 1983, Jack Nicholson. Um, the next one we're going to talk about is number, what do we got here? 16. 16, okay. Um, I am so happy that this actor is now, I think in a way, being appreciated more because he is simply amazing. He is in a show right now called Sneaky Pete, and I said, nice! He's got his own show, Sneaky Pete. It's doing okay. I think. Oh, yeah. I love it. It's, it's, it's popular. a great show. His name is Giovanni Ribisi. Now, his last name, I think I say it wrong. I say Ribisi, and I heard him in an interview. I think he said Ribisi or something like that. Oh, I've been shit. saying it wrong for 20 wh- plus years. It's Ribisi, I think. Yes. I always thought it was Ribisi. Me too. Yeah. Uh, but well, I'll maybe Rib- do a little we're research talking about on this. Ribisi. Ribisi, okay, or whatever his name is, yeah, in the gift, the gift in two thousand, two thousand, right? Um, the movie itself, um, it didn't do that well. It, maybe no, not with the really. audiences. I think critics liked it, uh, but the movie itself didn't do that well at the box office, so on. But it's a gem, people. If you haven't seen the gift, you're missing out. We're not talking about the Jason Bateman movie, the newer one that came out, the gift. I heard yeah, that's good. I, I haven't seen that. I want to see and it. I will. It's on I Netflix. Love Bateman, dude. But Giovanni Ribisi, you want to see, <clears throat> excuse me, you want to see just crazy great acting. I suggest you watch this performance of Ribisi or Ribisi in this film. You know, there's not much to discuss with this selection, quite honestly, but that last scene. He has 
with Kate uh, Blanchett. Rough. I watched it again today. I watched it like five times. It's so powerful. He is all over the place, losing his mind. I mean, he went through the ringer in oh, that scene yeah. as an actor. He, I mean, after that, he must have passed out for five days. I mean, the emotional drain that had to take. Yes. Must have been too much. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a performance like that from any actor. The way he uh, is so emotional. He, he's beating on his father. They're outside. He has his father tied up to a chair, and he's smacking him. I guess the father abused him when he was a child. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. he's smacking him, and Kate Winslet, and the mom is there. He's yelling at everybody, how can you let this happen? He's a complete train wreck, and he lights his father on fire at the end of the scene. He, and he plays this character who's kind of... Uh, would you say he's slow, right? He's definitely slow. He has an accent. He has this speech impediment. Yeah. I mean, and it's very believable. It's so hard to do that. It's so hard to pull that off. Yes. And I feel, I mean, he ranks up there with, you know, how Dustin Hoffman was in Rain Man, how Leonardo DiCaprio was in um, oh, What's yeah. Eating Gilbert yeah. Grape. You know, when you're, when you kind of delve into a character that has a speech impediment, yeah. sort of like that. You can pull it. You, it's hard. You can do it and look like a complete idiot. Yeah. And he he nails it. Yeah. I mean, you have brought that up in the past about that whole thing, playing a retard, so to speak, or someone with an impediment. It's not easy to do. And Rabisi pulled it off. Um, I give advice right now to any aspiring actor. Okay, you have to watch that performance. It's a learning For sure. lesson. For uh, sure. That is. It's a moment in film history. You have to take notice. It's a clinic in good, great, excellent acting. Giovanni. And and, and I'm going to have to say, in this movie is also uh, uh, another supporting role by Keanu Reeves. That's right. That's right. I'm not a huge fan of. I think he's okay. Yeah, right. He's, he's just okay. okay. Mm -hmm. But in this movie, he's really fucking good. Uh, yeah. It, it kind of takes you by whoa, he, hey, <laughs> and, and I'll I'll have to say like I always loved him in Parenthood and Bill and Ted, yeah, and stuff like yeah, that. yeah. Those are fun roles for him. My own private hideout. Yeah, he's good in that. He is, but in the Gift, this is yeah. his best acting. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, this is good his point. Best acting. Greg Kinnear's in this as oh, well. That's right. I mean, there's some great actors in this yeah. movie, and Clay, Kate Blanchett. Yeah, no, she's tremendous. She's good in everything. Yeah, so she's fantastic. She'll never disappoint. Wow. And I just want, before we move on, that last scene just gives me chills. I just wanted to point that out. Every time I see it, it's God bless It's a disturbing him. scene. It's disturbing, but it, it should, gives me chills. It should give you chills. Wow. All right. Next up on the list is number... 15. And uh, Joaquin Phoenix in, in Gladiator. Yes. Okay, this was also in 2000. And wow, we talked earlier... And we seen him in things before that, okay? Now, mind you, he is the younger brother of River Phoenix. He was in Parenthood. He was in Parenthood. He was like 12 or 11. Yeah, he was really young. Looks completely different when he was a kid, like back yeah, well, then. Well, I mean, he had like the he long blonde us. hair, yeah, I mean, but like he looked different in that movie. He was growing up, um, but he really took me by surprise in a good way. With this performance, he is pure evil in this movie. Um, pleasantly surprised. And like I said, he didn't give bad performances in the past, but he opened up my eyes in Gladiator. Now, things that may not be too noticeable, but believe me, they mean so much are the gestures 
that he makes in the film. Little things. As an actor, well, me appreciating a good film is just that. When I see an actor give a subtle little look or a gesture, it says to me they went deep. They went so deep doing their homework, so on and so forth. You get to see those little reactions. It goes a long way with me, and it goes a long way with the character. That's something like extra that an, act an actor will give the audience and himself to the screen. It helps in the film. And Joaquin Phoenix, if you notice in this movie, he does that. He'll snarl. I mean, little things like that make me appreciate Joaquin Phoenix and also make me realize just how talented he is and ever since this movie and I think Dave would agree with me his ability to be uh, an actor we ha we put in high respect mm -hmm. happened after this movie I think he took a leap in mm -hmm. this film I don't know how it happened you know sometimes an actor just it clicks they get it like oh this was the role that kind of just made me feel more confident in my work maybe yeah and i think that's what joaquin did here and i want to just a little tidbit his real name is leaf yeah. no no his real name is joaquin and then he called himself leaf for a little while uh because all of his siblings were called oh. you know river and chastity rain and rain <laughs> so he called himself leaf and uh, if you watch Parenthood in the credits, his name's Leaf. Yeah. Right. So he changed it back to Joaquin. Um, any he, notes? He was very nervous during the filming of this. Was he? I didn't know to that. To the point that he would ask Russell Crowe to kind of rough him up. Oh, get boy. Him kind of, just to kind of get him out of his head, maybe. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> and acting, aside, uh, acting alongside Russell Crowe may do that for you. He's amazing. He's very intimidating. He is a big guy. He just looks like he's in a bad mood all the time. <laughs> he does. Yes. Yes. He does. I would have to say, I would be very, if I were to even meet, you know, yeah. around, I would be intimidated by Russell Crowe. I hear he's loosening up a bit in his old age. We've Thank talked God. about this, I think. I'm yeah. I've seen so. him in interviews. He looks pretty laid back now. He was well, not so much him. so earlier on. And, you know, he had to work out some shit. You know, he may have stuff going on in his personal life. You just, you don't know. They bring it to the set, man. They do. It's common. Yeah. It's normal. You're in a yeah. bad mood for 50, 50 years. He's not 50. 20 years. 20 years. Yeah, that'll do it. So I, I wanted to go ahead and point out Joaquin Phoenix's performance in Gladiator because it is noteworthy. Uh, moving on to the next one. Number 14, we have Ed Norton in Birdman. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Birdman. Go, Dave. You go first. I could you go. You want me to go first? If you want. I, I love... I love Ed Norton, okay? We, I started out my career wanting to get the role he got in Primal Fear. He was a theater student at the time, theater major at a college. It was a nationwide hunt. He got the role, and he was great in that. I, I Amazing. Almost, I'm a little torn if he's better in Primal Fear than Birdman. No, he's better in Birdman. You think so? Yes. That was his first movie, man. He was yeah, great in he it. Was fucking phenomenal. But being his first movie, but watching him in this this role, he is so confident, cocky. I mean, this movie is about theater acting, and that's another reason why I love it. <laughs> it's, it's just great premise. There's a lot of reflection. I mean, there's not only a reflection of Michael Keaton and and how he was Batman and fell from grace. Okay. And now an older right actor living off the coattails of that. Yeah. 
but it also reflects on how Ed Norton is a really difficult actor to work with. And that's in truthfulness. That's, uh, that's him. Edward, Edward Norton is hard to work with on the set. He's moody. We're talking about Russell Crowe. Maybe the same way. We talked about James Spader. James Spader, no. James He's Spader. moody and weird, man. I, James I, Spader, I hear, has like weird, some OCD shit okay. that goes on. I didn't know that. During the blacklist, I know we're talking about Ed Norton, but during the blacklist, mm -hmm. I've heard that he called one of the producers or writers of the show a blacklist to talk about his character. Yeah. This writer or producer was in the middle of his daughter's birthday party. Okay. And ended up talking to him for fucking four hours oh, about his character. see, that's ridiculous. That, Spader, this is why he doesn't do a lot of work. He's hard to work with, too, wow. as well as a Norton. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, Ed and Norton, hard to work with, so on, on the set. And you get a glimpse of this in his, his character. Yes, he probably, I'm, I can do this. <laughs> yeah, this he is said. Me. And uh, um, this movie's about theater, okay? So they're doing, like, practicing their scene in the movie. And I would kind of deep with this. Listen to this. So here we go. Watching Norton and Keaton rehearsing a scene on stage in the theater is breathtaking. And I'll tell you why. Actors pretending to do a scene in the theater, right? That's deep. And it kind of messes with me a little bit. And this is why. Like, I think for a minute, what if the actors they're portraying in the film are doing a scene on stage about actors pretending to do a scene on stage? And it goes into a rabbit hole, a never-ending cycle, because the movie's about acting, right? And they're in the movie as actors, performing a scene in a movie, being actors. Oh, yeah. And it's really weird is that Edward, yeah, it's, it's a, a it's a mind fuck. So what if they were on stage, acting like actors doing a scene within a movie? You're going now. You're doing levels uh -huh. three deep, and I felt to myself how cool. But watching Edward Norton and Keaton rehearse on stage in a movie, you saw Edward Norton do a good acting job within the scene of that context, but he put a little bit of a. A corniness to it, like they were just rehearsing. I know I that can't that be easy. I know they. It's it. Both of them, even right. Too, they yes, were, they both like when you're watching. You're like, wow, they're definitely rehearsing. Right. Like, how do you? They tone it down. They do to do that, and then yes. bring it back to a level once they're done rehearsing. Yes, as if they're normal. It's so weird. And then Keaton will also do the same thing in the movie when. Uh, Edward Norton is in the, the suntanning booth and Keaton like gets pissed at him because he did something stupid. And then Keaton has him up against the wall and telling him that, you know, he had a rough childhood. His dad beat him. He took me to the shed. And he's completely breaking down. And Edward Norton's like, oh, dude, I'm sorry. I didn't know about that. And Keaton's like, that's because it's not true. I'm fucking with you. See, I can fuck with you too. <laughs> so here you have an actor acting in a movie, uh, uh, faking and... Dude, there are so many levels to this movie. It's, it's scary. Good, it's so good. It's so good. And props to Ed Norton for just bringing a great performance to the screen. I don't know if you have any other notes about this one. Um, not not really. No. I don't think so either. I have. He was nominated for best supporting actor. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll wrap that one up. Edward Norton, Birdman, 2014. And we're gonna move on to a movie that uh, I watch yearly. Because <laughs> it's one of your 
That is one of my movies. Yearly movies, huh? Uh, it's a Stanley. It seems like you have many. I have. Oh, I do. Do I watch movies constantly? I know, man. I just do. It's, it's insane. I rehash. I go back and I watch my favorite movies in Full Metal Jacket, 1987. Gives us a supporting character in this film. And he's, what? He's a sergeant. He's a drill R. instructor. R. Lee Ermey. R. Lee Ermey. Now, he was supposed to be just an advisor in this movie. Until he told uh, Kubrick, these fucking guys don't know what they're doing. They're not just believable. give me the role. I know this. And he, <laughs> he told Kubrick, he's like, give me the role. And he's like, no. Yeah. And then Ermey went into full fucking sergeant mode. Yeah. He's like, you fucking stand up when I'm talking to you. Ha <laughs> ha. Whatever the hell he said to him, and Kubrick like gave him the role. Yeah, he told him to stand up, and Kubrick did, and he got you got the role. Yeah, <laughs> you made me stand up, and boy, I and, mean, and, and he was allowed to improvise most of his lines. Okay, which is very rare for Kubrick. Ah, uh, yes, in his films to have someone improvise the he, lines of a movie. He didn't like it. Now it would happen from time to time, but you're right. He, <laughs> you are right. You don't do that. He allowed and, him to do that. And, and, and in fact, the one scene where Ermy um, uh, was like, uh, what did he say? Something like, he's like, oh, he's like, he's like, you don't have the common courtesy to give the guy a reach around or yeah. something like that. And Kubrick's like, cut! He's like, he's like what? what he went to Ermy, he's like, what's a reach around? <laughs> And Ermey told him what it was, and Kubrick <laughs> laughed. He's like, hilarious. He's like, okay, keep, let's keep going. Let's, let's, keep going. let's go That's with it, good. man. Just... Take two. <laughs> yeah, like, keep it in yeah, there. Yeah, just do it. Uh, that goes to show how fucking amazing Ermey was. He was able to persuade Kubrick, who's like... Yeah, hard uh, to persuade. Really difficult to yeah. work with, even. Yeah, yeah, he was... Yeah. And, and to, to persuade him to just kind of do what he wanted... Are you fucking kidding? That's impressive. Monumental. Yeah. Monumental. Sergeant Hartman is a rude, crude, and pouty mouth drill instructor. And the first time he comes on screen, forget it. I mean, he blows you away. I mean, I don't know how long that monologue was, but he just boom, boom, boom. Like, he didn't breathe. And can you imagine being in that room, those other actors, and not laugh? And what he says... It's got to be tough, man. Oh, the things that... Those insults that he's just flinging around are so good. Not much depth to this character, but it was something like a staple in film history, this character. Oh, absolutely. Am I right? Oh, yeah, man. I I mean, he did something really cool, different. Uh, You think of drill instructors or basic training, and I cringe. I'm like, heaven forbid I was in that situation, I'd shit myself. Oh, yeah. I I wouldn't handle it. I'd be so scared. And this actor doesn't flinch. The dialogue comes out a mile a minute, and it's so fun to watch. I mean, he just goes. Um, I think that's all I have the notes. Um, the fact that uh, a staple in film history. Yeah. I truly believe that. Now, he would go on, this Ermy guy, to do some other great work. Uh, nothing great He was in great uh, note. Fletch Lives. He was in Fletch Lives. I love that character. Yeah. He did other films as well. I love well. that movie. It, what, Fletch? Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. Both of them. Fletch lives There's Fletch and Fletch, and Fletch lives. There's Fletch and Fletch lives. Yeah. He's in the second one. Which one did you like better? That's tough, man. I think Fletch lives was better. The the sequel Dang. was better. That it was funny. That whole scene of the the you know uh, what do they call those? Um, are you talking about the religious tele- people? Are they yeah. 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 That when, when he's with, uh, with one Chevy of the characters, is the fucking character. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. Excuse me. Peter Lemongello? Your house is on fire. What? <laughs> they told me to tell you your house is on fire. Yeah, God bless you. <laughs> God bless you for leaving that shit. Uh, oh, God. We yeah. can go out of that movie for Yeah, we probably an hour. that whole movie, but we won't. Oh, um, God. I, uh, one quick note about Hermie and yeah. Full Metal Jacket. Apparently, he had a Jeep accident at like 1 o'clock in the morning during hmm. the, the, you know, during the yeah. filming. Broke all the ribs on his left side. Well, I didn't know that. It halted production for a while because he still had to film a lot of his scenes. And once even he was able to film, you'll notice he was not able to lift his left arm. Oh, I have to take notice of that. Yeah. (laughs) Certain scenes, he wasn't able to lift his arm. Wow. Well, he went through the production and did a fantastic job. It made our list. Kubrick's like, God damn. This guy. (laughs) (laughs) This guy. (laughs) So, all right. Moving on, uh... To number 12, and this movie is a very important movie. It is. I agree. And, you know, we'll say that from time to time because there are there are movies that are very important. Yeah. And this one is Denzel Washington and Glory. Mm-hmm. 1989. Um, I, I'm intimidated by his character a little bit. Now, he does that, I think, Denzel. He's just he's a, a powerful guy. He's very powerful. Uh, he just has that in him. He has that stature. He has the ability to be that way. And in glory, he's like that. Now, talk about a fellow with a chip on his shoulder, the size of Gibraltar. I mean, the guy is just hateful. Uh, I mean, it's a Civil War movie. Yeah, and if you haven't seen this movie, which you really need to, um, it, it is about the Civil War and how they had recruits. It was the first... Black regiment? African-American black yes. uh, regiment. Yes. Um, and they have Captain Robert Shaw, who's played by Matthew Broderick. One of his best roles. His only best role. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, that's not Ferris true. Bueller. I'll give him that. <laughs> Other than that, this is the only movie I like Matthew Broderick. Yeah, okay. Um, but the, this captain is you know, offered and accepts the promotion to a rank of colonel to yeah. command all this first black... Uh, um, regiment regiment yeah and Denzel Washington he's a is a runaway slave and um, he signs up for this this army and you know while the training is happening he ends up running away because he's his he's got bad feet. And they show his feet; they're just blisters he, and red. It's just he, a mess. He ends up. He wanted to get better shoes, mm-hmm. and that's when they bring him back and they start the the lashings. They whip him. Now this part is really it's tough to watch. It's pretty emotional. Deep. It's, it's rough, you know. Mm. Um, and they had like from what I hear, it was like kind of. Somewhat real, the lashings. Like they were really hitting him. It was it was pretty real. Not as savage as it, it could no, be. Probably not, but um, it it was real to the point where you know when you see him kind of tear up and cry, it it, it, like it, it hurts. Was, it was it seemed real. like it pretty real to me, and it gives me uh, goosebumps. Yeah, me too. It was pretty real to me. It, it looked real to me as an uh, for him as an actor going through that whole beating process. Looked pretty real. And that tear, like, you can tell. And he's trying to hold it back. You can tell. Yeah. And it just comes out. And it just streams down. I mean, it was like a big fucking tear. <laughs> crushing down his cheek. 
very emotional scene. And it was that scene that really signified his believability and just the, the pure genius of Denzel Washington, an actor I can't wait to talk about as well. I am surprised I haven't done him yet. I'm a it's little, over. It's yeah, overdue. I'm a little intimidated to do it, to be honest with you. There's a lot to talk about. And I will sit down and go, I got to do Denzel. And then I get right down to it. I'm like, mm, maybe next time. It's just so much to delve into. So we will do him in the future. But talking about Glory, his performance was spot on. Uh, the whipping scene is a good example of that. And this movie really works, too, with the performances of Denzel and Morgan Freeman working <clears throat> together. Uh, the scene where they're in the tent and they're, you know, Denzel is just an asshole. You know, he's, he's, he just hates the white people, of course, and of course he should. But uh, Morgan Freeman says, you know, they're dying for you. They're dying for you, fool. You may not like them, but there are white soldiers out there. They're dying for your freedom. You should take notice of that. Nice yeah. little, you know, line from uh, Morgan Freeman, and he was good in this, too. Oh, man. Of course Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Come on. Um, but uh, Denzel Washington, and that was I mean, what? That was 1989, Okay, that movie. And, Great. of course, he won the Oscar for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. He sure did, and well-deserved. You got that fucking right. 1989, Glory. All right, next up is... Number 11, we go to Christian Bale as Dickie Eklund in The Fighter. Woo-hoo! From 2010. Now, <clears throat> Dave, just let it be known. He's one of the biggest Christian Bale fans out there. And well-deserved. I have been hard on Christian Bale in the past. I don't know why. I just am. For uh, what reason? What? what? Just because of the fact of the American Psycho role. It took me a while to kind of get into that character. Yeah, you need to get over okay? it. Okay. The shenanigans he pulled with the... Uh, Batman... Yes, yelling at this stage crew, I get it. We talked about that earlier in another episode. There was just certain things about Christian Bale I didn't like. Rubbed you the wrong way. I, he rubbed me the wrong way, or he did. But, <clears throat> folks, Christian Bale in The Fighter 2010, I think is his best performance. Now, this huh. is why. Huh. He dives so deep into this guy. Now, this is a real guy. He plays a real person in this movie. So, guess what he did? He lost a lot of weight. Lost a lot of weight and followed this guy around like a puppy dog oh, for he, hours at a time. He wanted to mimic him the best that he could. Yes. Followed him around. I guess this, what's his name? Dickie. Dickie. Dickie right? Eklund. He was one hell of a character. And you could see this in the movie. During the period of this movie, um, Dickie Eklund was uh, addicted to crack. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> and it, you, to me... It looks like Christian Bale is addicted to crack in this whole movie. Of course. I go, I could go on for days about these actors that go so deep. They, they take that method or the method they have and they just churn it. And when you get that final product and you go, yep, I, I believe he's a crackhead. I believe he's this. I, just the way he walks and talks and looks and acts, boom. Christian Bale puts on a clinic just like Ribisi did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he does. Um, I don't know. I'm going to go down my notes here. If you have something to say, that, okay, here we go. The last scene in the movie, I think it's the last scene, where Mark Wahlberg, oh, I just fucked up his name, Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg. Marky Mark. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. He's a boxer. He's in his... In the, in the ring, 
fighting. He wins the match. Yay, right? Everybody's all excited. Christian Bale, his character, jumps over the rope, hugs Wahlberg, takes his head. Their heads touch. They, their eyes meet. They're, you know, connecting on a level, saying, we did it. You did it, man. You won the match. I can't believe it. And then he backs away from Wahlberg and Wahlberg celebrating with other people, like his mom. And you watch Christian Bale as he backs away. By God, his mouth is wide open. And guess what? He's in a state of unbelievable. I mean, he's like unbelievable. This kid did it. He's so in awe of him. And it's so fun and interesting to watch an actor go that deep. His, it was just for three seconds. That's but all it takes. It was those three seconds that proved to me just how good he is. I, I got it at that point. That's crazy. It took, uh, took that long. It, you know, for me, sometimes it takes that long with certain actors. Uh, when I see uh, genius, I, I like yeah. to think of it that way. Uh, when these actors are so into what they're doing, it comes out eventually. Like, it just yeah. does. Well, it, it came out way before that, but um, it, it's better late than never. <laughs> <laughs> Dave being snarky. I'm just saying, dude. As soon as I saw American Psycho, I'm like, this guy's fucking good. Wow, see... It took me a little longer, but... But, but that's hey, fine. You know what? This role just... It did something for me. I, 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 it really did. I, I don't know what to say. Maybe it was that moment that I expressed. Yeah. Just those three little seconds. It could be that simple. Uh, for me, it... Is it the, the levels an actor will put into their character? I think maybe that's what Bale does. He piles on the research. It's so deep that he... As an actor, allows himself to be there in that oh, yeah. scene. Like he is that person just at that time. He's that guy. Yes. He's not Christian Bale anymore at all. That's what he does. So props. And I will always respect that. So he may be an asshole in real life. I don't know this. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, you know, and that's his own business. But as an actor, well respected. Absolutely. Okay. So next up on the list is number what? Uh, number ten. Number another ten. Movie that is. Okay, we're now getting into the top 10 best supporting actors slash actresses of all time that we think. Now, mind you, there's a bubble that, you know, we live in yeah. at the time periods. Yeah. But this role. <laughs> talk this, about evil. This, this is brutal. Evil. Pure evilness. <clears throat> this is rough. This Rafe is... Fiennes. Schindler's List, 1993. Dave, go. Um, he plays a uh, Amon... Goth, I think is the I name. I think it is. It could be Goat. Who uh, was in charge of running the concentration camp in Germany. Um, uh, it was actually Germany, German-occupied Poland. Oh, that's right. It was in Poland. It, yes. During World War II. And Fine says that they filmed in Poland. In Krakow? Yeah. They filmed there. Yep. Um, a brutal role. Brutal. It, to say the least, when you're talking about the Holocaust and what this piece of fucking shit did. And to the point where they had, um, there was a survivor of the Holocaust who was on set at some point. And I read about that. She couldn't even look at Ralph. <laughs> Is it Ralph or Ralph? Uh, Rafe. Rafe. She couldn't even look at him mm -hmm. because he reminded her so much of yeah. the real. Uh, this Amon real fucking goat. asshole. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, Schindler's List, you know. That's most, a tough one Most to watch. people have seen it. I know um, I saw it back in the day, 
a couple times at least, but it's been a while, and I remember borrowing it from you because you have it on DVD. Yes, I do. And I had it for uh, probably a good five years. <laughs> you did have it for a while. You have to be in the kind of mood to watch it, and apparently I was never in that kind of mood for five years Yeah, to be like, hey, I want to watch a movie about the Holocaust. It's such a powerful film. But it is. Um, I, 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 I went and I watched some of the scenes... Oh, just recently, you know, just some just, clips. Just recently to, to kind of freshen up because it had been so long since I've seen it. Yeah. Um, and it's it's brutal when he is on the balcony, obviously, is mm-hmm. one of the most disturbing scenes, the way he is sniping out yeah. these people. And he does it like he's in, brushing his teeth. The way, <laughs> the way he, you know, he has a cigarette just sitting on the balcony. Mm-hmm. And he snipes somebody out, and he just lays his head down with his mouth mm-hmm. and just takes it from the balcony. It's yep. just like... Like walking through the park. <laughs> it's tough to watch, man. This guy had no soul, plain and simple. No. Uh, Rafe says that he found it hard to get into this guy. <laughs> Come on. Because, you know, he's a nice guy in real life. And a dark distinction. It took him a while to get into the character. He said he... Walked around a lot of museums, kind of got the feel for things, and finally got it. And it was hard for him to break away. Uh, he embodied that character, pure evil, people. So if you want to see some tremendous acting, a supporting role in Schindler's List, Fines nails it. Now, he was nominated for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. Didn't win. Fucker. Uh, and I think that as far as film history, this character, I put him right up there. As far mm. as just, as far as pure evil characters, I'm talking about. Yeah. Like scary. Yeah. Just raw, and he slipped in and did a great job. Pure and simple. No argument here. No, not at all. Wow. All right. Uh, any other notes for this one? No, I don't. Okay. We'll, cool. Uh, we'll slip to number nine. Number nine. A lot of fan favorites on this. Oh one. yeah, baby. Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Probably one of the best cameos of all time. And what a cameo it was. He, wow. He's only in the one scene. Yes. And fucking kills it. I mean, nailing a scene. That's nailing a scene. There was uh, the actors. I think there was was um, who's not there? Uh, it was, was it Pacino? Uh, Pacino was in the bar with the uh, customer. And I think he even was on set just to watch. Oh, I'm sure he was. Just to see it. Always be closing, people. Always be closing. And I mean, he bases monologue off the George C. Scott speech. From oh, and Patton. Patton. Mm-hmm, I can believe that. You know, that kind of was an inspiration for him. I mean, he destroys that scene. He destroys everything in that scene. Yeah. So powerful, so confident. Um, And I think most acting schools play this scene for their students, and I can see why. (laughs) They do, huh? Because the thing about acting school is they teach you to be the hero. You want to be the hero in some way in your scene. You want to be the guy. And Baldwin is the fucking man. You can say that. Alpha male. Yeah. To the nth degree. And everybody else is a piece of shit. You're not as good as me. You never will be. Shape up or ship up, guys. <laughs> You'll be out the fucking door. If it was up to me, you would be fucking gone already. Yeah. And he just lays it on thick. And, I mean, the the lines in this movie are just used in other venues as well. In life and in other movies. 
that scene comes up. Uh, just certain lines he has in there. You know, put the coffee down. Yeah. You know, little things like that. Always be closing ABC, like I just said. Little snippets of just pure gold. And we're going to give props to this man <clears throat> right here. David fucking Mamet. Mm-hmm. Playhouse alum. Great writing. He wrote it. It was a play. Yeah, it w- his character wasn't in the original play, I don't believe. What, that was added in the movie? I believe so. Wow, interesting. Yeah. They felt they needed a little something extra in the movie and decided on this character? He, yeah, he he wasn't. I think they wanted Baldwin, I, I believe, to be Pacino's character, but Pacino won out on that Okay. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, there's no weak link in this cast. Oh, no. I mean... You won't find one. And you also have Ed Harris. Yeah, Ed Harris is in this one as well. Um, Alan Arkin is fucking great. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to do the movie because he thought it was... Uh, his role was too boring. Um, but he made it... He, he made, made it, it interesting. He did. He, he found a way to... So pathetic, that character. Yeah. I mean, pathetic. Yeah, he made a whole background story of... of um, like, he, he was a married man who just lost his job and he needed a new job and he just got this one. Oh, really? So okay. Arkin hmm. made his character with this whole background of, like... Interesting. I yeah. love that. Yeah. That's good stuff. He He's great. Everyone's great. <laughs> yeah, everyone um, was in that cast. Yeah, I mean, everyone. What a cast. Man. All right. Number nine, I believe? Uh, we're at eight. I'm sorry. Number eight. Number eight. From Apocalypse Now, Robert Duvall. Mr. Duvall, I highlighted in an episode already, one of my very first ones. Um, I was really nervous going into that episode thinking, I'm not going to learn that much about Duvall. Like, how am I going to find information about him? Whoa, was I wrong. This guy (laughs) loves acting. Another thing, he loves to talk about acting. And it shows in this role, by God, this character, I love him so much he's deeply rooted his feet planted firmly on the ground he did his homework and knew this guy i mean they're in the middle of a war in vietnam bombs going off i mean shells exploding all over the place they're on like this little island right and he's all in his little getup like i guess he went full on in this getup he wanted to look like this southern um uh like civil war general like yeah, he went back I see that. with the hat and everything. Sure. And he had that scarf on, and I mean, he <laughs> looked the part. He strutted around like a rooster. If you notice in in the in the movie, his back like his his back is like upright, and he's walking around like a rooster. He wanted to be the alpha male, kind of like Alec Baldwin was. Sure. In the last one we did, I mean, this character like Dave. I mean, he's walking around with bombs going off. Like he doesn't give a shit. No. No big deal. Like, he's seen so much bad things in the war, I think. I think that's the way he took it. For sure. You could die at any moment, man. I mean, why be afraid? He's that far into the shit. Like, he doesn't even care anymore. He's like, it's going to hit me or it's not. Yeah. Yeah. All, all the other soldiers around him are taking cover. They're on the ground. And he's standing there. He wants to surf. That's all he cares about. He wants to go on the beach and surf. And he's getting pissed. <laughs> Because there's waves coming and he's missing and the war's going on and he wants to get in the water. But by God, I mean, you talk about a deeply rooted character. This is one of them. For sure. It, 11 minutes of screen time. Is that right? It, yes. He was not in it a lot. It's a long movie. That's And he was nominated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. He was for 11 yeah. minutes oh, yeah. of screen time. That's how good he was. 
People are like, what the <laughs> fuck is that this? That is insane. We have to nominate him. He may not win, but he deserved and that no, nomination. He, he didn't win, but he was at least nominated for 11 minutes of screen time, and I find that to be fucking insane. Yeah. It, the, that scene is loaded with great dialogue. It really is. And uh, he took it, he made it his own, and he gave us just an unforgettable performance. There are many actors out there that feel this character, that acting performance, is one of the greatest of all time. And wow. doing my research on Duval, it is amazing to me how many people love him. They say, he's my favorite actor. I'm like, what? No shit. Really? They're like, yeah, that, he's my favorite. I would feel a lot of people don't even know who he is. I, I was blown away. Like, Robert <laughs> Duvall is your favorite actor? That's fantastic. Yeah, that's I just love hear. that. I do. I love it. Yeah. I he I hold him in great respect. Neighborhood Playhouse alum. Thank you very much. They're another one. He loves the Meisner technique. And it works for him, obviously. <laughs> so there you go. Robert Duvall, Apocalypse Now, 1979. And the next 75. Num- that was 75? That's what I have. Oh, okay. Uh, All right. And number seven... We're going to go to 2006. Yes, we are. With Mark Wahlberg in The Departed. Mm-hmm. Great movie. Which Great is, role. Uh, that movie's based off the original Hong Kong movie from 2002, mm-hmm. which was called Infernal Affairs. Okay. Which I did not know. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. He plays a guy named Dingham. <laughs> Dingham. Different kind of character, people. I know you... I'm sure most of you have watched this movie. It's just a great movie, and that character... Holy mackerel. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg, right? We did the fighter with... with yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, Mark Wahlberg is good. Of course he is. Um, Believe it or not. Uh, who would have thought? Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Nobody would have thought. Uh, he had a time machine going back to 1994. He was like that. When I was in high school, like 92, 93. That's when... Yeah. Maybe earlier than that. Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Yeah. Big and, and I mean, to, to think his acting career would be as successful and as... I'm impressed. A level of quality. The quality work that he does. It's impressive. He cares. Um, a very interesting character as well because he was a fuck-up in Boston getting arrested, Mm -hmm. and he says in this role, he combined all of the police officers that arrested him in Boston (laughs) and put them all together. Yeah, I guess they're all dickheads in Boston, huh? It's pretty fucked up. (laughs) The way he delivers his lines, cocky, know-it-all, and he comes out like the hero in the end because he shoots... Right. Yeah. Yep. Um... Any notes about this performance? Um, I, I know he and um, Scorsese didn't exactly get along on oh, the okay. set. I didn't know that. There was a lot of tension. I think okay. Scorsese was pushing him a little bit. Mm. I think a lot of it was... Uh, he was only supposed to be... Uh, Wahlberg was only supposed to work for like a couple weeks and it turned into like four months. Yeah, there was, there was some sort of uh, issue where Wahlberg had to work out the fact that he had to do all his scenes first. Like the first few weeks of production. Huh. They did his scenes, and then he was off. He was gone. So He's a busy guy. I, he is a busy guy. He, 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 he does, does a lot. He, he does keep busy, and he's also a big family man. He, he has a couple of kids, and uh, he's an interesting guy. <clears throat> he doesn't masturbate, he says. He doesn't masturbate. Get he goes, fuck out of here. I have a wife, and that's all I need. I never masturbate. Now, that's what he says. I wanted to put that in there. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking liar. <laughs> He's so pure now. Get the fuck out of here. 
They're like he's not picking up a dirty magazine or going online. Maybe he doesn't. No I don't magazine. Know. No, who the hell yeah, no one does magazines magazine anymore. anymore. <laughs> Come on. So I thought that was an interesting little tidbit about Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. That's... He don't need that shit. Okay. We're just so pure. Uh, I have a note here. <coughs> Ethan, um, Ethan Hawke was considered for the role. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. All right, so moving on from Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Uh, we're going to move on to number six, which is... Robin Williams and Goodwill Hunting. Yes, and uh, of course we touched on this in Robin Williams' episode. We're going to touch on it again because it deserves it. Of course it does. Uh, one of my favorite characters of all time in a movie. Mm-hmm. Pretty close up there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard. I mean, what else can you say? He fucking made that movie. He did. It's a good movie. Without, without him? It wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have been as good. Let's just put it that way. No one, yeah, you wouldn't be really talking about it. It wouldn't have the success no. that it, it did today. It it put it on the map. It's almost hard to put into words what uh, his performance meant to the movie and to the audience members that watched it. It made you fall in love with Robin Williams all over again. Doesn't he just do even, that? Yeah, <laughs> even more. Yeah. You watch a performance like that, and you're like, I love you. Thank you for yes. giving us your talent because you have so much of it. Thank you for letting it seep out every now and then. And uh, that's what he did in this role. Um, he touched Matt Damon's life. He touched Ben Affleck's life in this movie. And deservingly so, he put them on the map. Sure. He did. Of course he did. With this role. Um, I don't know how much you want to get more. Not much. I mean, it, it is what it is. And I yeah. I touched upon it before. And we did. So. And, and if you want to know more about Robin Williams, we go off on him for almost two hours. In one episode. Yeah. And it was a great one. It was the first one we did together. We right. wanted to do him first. So thank you, Robin Williams, once again, for just being fucking awesome. You are missed. You are surely missed. still missed very much. And always will be. Yeah. I think that's a given. You know, just thinking of the millions he's made smile and the billions more he'll make smile in the future. Thank you, Robin Williams. Moving on to our next one. And what number is this? This is number five. We have Gary Oldman in The Professional. We're now in the top five, and Gary Oldman would be number five, 1994. Yeah. It's also called Leon. Right. Um, Now, (laughs) Gary Oldman just got an Oscar recently, deserved beyond all recognition. It's awesome. Um, He (sighs) improved the hell. Out of this role, role. Uh, it's called his name is Stansfield, I believe, and he did some like playful things with the character. Like Gary Oldman just does that. He's so good. He's been working for so long at such a high level that once he gets on set, he's able to sort of be loosey goosey. And you see that in State of Grace, but <laughs> you're gonna see it even more maybe in this movie. Can you give an example of a say a loosey goosey? Uh, choice or decision that he made in this movie well we have to talk about the pills yes that's the number one that's the that's number one is the pills and how he takes them really just uh what a choice the just the way he um when they're when they're out there in the hallways yes and um the one guy's telling that one old lady this sweet old lady get back in your house yeah you know (laughs) And she's still just like, leave those people alone. And he's like, 
He's got a cigarette out, yeah, yeah. he takes his gun out and fucking fires it near her. Yeah, like, blows the glass right behind her. And he's like, <laughs> he's got a cigarette just dangling from his mouth. He's mm-hmm. like, he said, go back inside. <laughs> no, I mean, little things like those that. little things like that. The way he's just like, he brings so much. Oh, he brings character. so much to the table. Can you imagine acting with that guy? He gives you so much of himself. Yeah. And more. Yeah. So it's got to be so easy to act with him because he's giving you so much to work off of that just him being on the set, um, he will go ahead and take those pills. He like, I think what they are, they're capsules and you don't have the stuff inside. So he puts them between his teeth and he cracks it. So now all the stuff that's inside, yeah, and he doesn't swallow it. He He inhales inhales it. it. (laughs) What the fuck? Is that what he does? Yeah, because he... He, he does, does that, done. and then mm, they inhale it, and then wow, that's how he takes his pills. Very strange, but hey. I wonder where he got that from. I wonder if that's out You there. know, I may have to do some research on that, but that's so unusual. He's unusual. He is just very good in this uh, portrayal. He plays a crooked cop, and he's psychotic. He plays a psychotic cop. Very much. He shoots people, no problem. And... Uh, <clears throat> He just goes ahead and shows us once again just how brilliant he is. Giving genius work, and he loves Mozart. Like, he plays all the, mm-hmm. you know, the Mozart when he kills people. Uh, and <laughs> and I think even our cousin Bobby lo- loves this role. I think he loves Gary Oldman because he'll even talk about this fifth element. Oh, right. Yeah. It, he just loves Gary Oldman, and we do too. Good for him. Oh, man. Gary Oldman, 1994, The Professional. And, and now moving into number four, Louise Fletcher is Nurse Ratchet. Nurse Ratchet. One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Now, I was a little on the fence putting her in this list because she won for Best Actress. And that's a little confusing. To me as well. That's a supporting role. I would think it is. But it was so amazing and good. I think they bumped it up, so to speak. You, okay. I mean, would you agree? Maybe. They may have done that. I think it was more of an honor for her to get the best actress because although it's a supporting role, it doesn't do it justice. It was that good. It was so historic, that performance. Icy cold bitch. Oh, she was horrible. She was so evil, and she hated the fact that she was so evil that what she would like... Be pissed because everybody else is having fun goofing yeah, around, right? right. Yeah, and, and she had to be, you know, the bitch, kind of keeping character to keep it going. And I hear like near like the last once they wrapped up shooting, yeah, she came out and like adjust her underwear, <laughs> yeah. or something just to prove like, hey, I can have fun too. I'm not a cold-hearted bitch, right? You know, Nurse Ratchet is not me. Oh and man, to uh, just just to throw some light on one flew over the cuckoo's nest mm-hmm. now. I found out this is a favorite movie of not only Ron Howard, mm-hmm. but former President Barack Obama. Oh. Which I found very interesting. Okay. Weird. Yeah, uh, the president and Ron Howard. I mean, okay. I mean, One Flew of the, the Cuckoo's Nest it, is a fascinating story in itself. It, it is. Uh, even the simple fact of how it got made because uh, it was uh, uh, Michael Douglas' production. He was a producer. He produced. Before he was really uh, a big-time actor. But it was his father that wanted to get this done years ago. He had the rights to it, and it just wasn't the right time, he felt. So he got older in age, couldn't do it. His son's like, I want to do it. 
So Kurt had a little bit of say in it, but this was Michael Douglas's film. Yeah. And props to Michael Douglas. <clears throat> fantastic movie. I guess Jack was hard to work with on set. The <laughs> fact they were. And the fact that all these actors are in this this ward for most of the movie, they were getting all cooped up and it was just a hard movie to work on. And I can imagine it took a lot out of uh Louise Fletcher, this movie. And she got up to the Academy Award to accept it. Did you have something about that? Yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah, well, she got up to accept it. Very sweet speech. Very. And at the end, she thanked her parents, and she did it in sign language. Yeah. Right? Very sweet moment. Yeah. Never forget that. She says, for my mother and my father, I want to say thank you for teaching me to have a dream. You were seeing my dream come true. Oh, man. That is some great stuff. And she appreciated that. Oscar. Yeah. So much. Yeah. And she did that. Wow. Noteworthy performance by Louise Fletcher in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, 1975. Next up on our list is number three. So here we are. Top three. We're getting down to the end. In number three, he pops up again, people. Gary Oldman. Hey. Here we go. State of Grace, 1990. An underrated film. There might be a lot of you out there who have not seen this movie. Shame on you. See it tomorrow. Go out. Get it. Rent it. Download it on your device. Whatever you have to do. Buy it. Watch this movie. It has great acting in it. But hey, the best character in this movie is Gary Oldman. Um, If you want to go ahead and start off this State of Grace Gary Oldman number three, go right ahead. I mean, we've I've talked about this movie because I did Gary Oldman episode already. Um, I call it, once again, loosey-goosey acting because Gary Oldman's on another level. He is. Yeah. And uh, you talked about at dinner the fact that um, preparing for the role, he went out and just went full on visiting bars in the New York area in the Irish part of town. He was around Irishmen all the time. And at this point in his life, Gary Oldman was full on alcoholic, drank constantly. So no problem for Gary. <laughs> he was in his element. Yes, okay? he was. He might've been drunk on set all the time. He probably was. Okay. In character, being drunk, being loose and giving one hell of a performance. Him and Sean Penn clicked. Uh, the cast is great. Ed Harris. Ed Harris again. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about Gary in this one? Uh, it's just, it's great. I, I mean, there's nothing else to say. Uh, all of his scenes are fantastic. Yep. Um, I, I have nothing else but that. He's I know a, that's weak. He's but. A, no, but you know what? He's a true artist in, in every sense. And when you watch a performance like this and you don't know about it and then you see it for the first time, you just believe him. You believe that he's an Irishman and he's just going about doing the film. And he makes just history to me. I mean, we put him number three. So obviously, it means something to us. For us, it does. It does. Um, I'm trying to see if I have any other notes here. Um, he learned the lingo and movements of Irishmen. Uh, he actually does look greasy and damaged. Oh, I thought He looks so gross. Yeah, I mean... His character like seeped through the pores, I thought, and it showed on the screen. Uh, gave, gave us a great performance for the ages, and uh, that's about all I have. They give priceless moments, and like the hands scene that we talked oh, about. Yes, yeah. of course. They have frozen hands in the refrigerator, the freezer, and it's a great scene. Go check out this movie. That's it. I mean, that's all you could say. Right. 
I right? Agree. I agree. Okay. That was number three. So, number two? Number two, and this shouldn't be too much of a surprise, really. Right. I think <clears> that, you know, going through this list here, people are like, is this one or two? <laughs> right. Am I right? Yeah, I, I would have to agree. I think most people would put this one. Yeah. I think they, they might. Yes. And we're talking about Heath Ledger as Joker in The Dark Knight. Yeah. Think, I think most people would put it one. You're not going to be disappointed in our number one, people. I would hope not. No, you're not. It depends on your age, too. It probably. does. It does. Heath Ledger locked himself away in a hotel room for really? months, weeks, uh, months, a while. Six weeks, I have. Six weeks. Almost two months. Locked himself away. Um, he combined a... That's a, By the way, that's fucking insane. It is. If I was in my house, even... For one week, I would lose my mind. Yeah, he locked that's himself away. He didn't leave the hotel room. So that's that does, crazy. That does something to you. It has to. He really did go deep here, people. Uh, he was that type of actor that allowed himself to do that. Kind of a scary place going that deep. Um, fellow actors on set were a little intimidated by him, they said. Uh, they didn't know... Uh, didn't know if he was dangerous, but they felt that he could... Like, go somewhere, maybe go a little too far. Uh, Gary Oldman would do the same thing. There are a lot of explosions out of Gary Oldman in his movies. Now, Heath Ledger was dangerous on another level with this character. I found out in my research that there were actors asked to do this role, and they turned it down. A lot of actors turned it down simply because Jack Nicholson nailed it Yeah. in the first That's Batman. Big shoes to fill. Big shoes to fill, but Heath Ledger's like... Fuck that. I, Do it. I remember um, hearing about how they were bringing the Joker for the next Batman movie back mm. in the day. Yeah. And it was announced it was Heath Ledger. And I was mm -hmm. like, I think most people were probably like, wow. Yeah. Really? Heath Ledger? He's ready for this. Yeah, I'm like, okay. I'm like, and I always liked him. Oh, me too. I, I always thought he was a really good actor. And I was just like, that's an interesting choice. As an actor, I... I was very familiar with all his stuff beforehand. I watched him in his career, and he's a perfect example of an actor learning and growing from his very first stuff leading all the way up to this. For sure. And the, uh, the cowboy movie, I always forget Broke the name of it. Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback, okay. Well, it's hard to say if he was better in this movie than Brokeback. Brokeback was like a starring role. This was a supporting role. Although he's in a lot of this movie. Yeah, but this is a much deeper role. I would. Do think. you think... This is a fucking crazy role yeah. to take on. Yeah. To play Joker. The way he portrayed, I, I, I it, he took it to a level. <laughs> he took it to a level that, uh, I, I don't think many of us really saw going. Uh, everyone like, saw Jack Nicholson as Joker. Okay, yes. And, and that's what we've known. Where, where Jack took it dark but playful. Yeah, it was more, a lot more playful than dark. Comedic. Okay, that's in, a good example. Sense. Uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker was more playful than dark. It was dark, it, it, yeah. but it was more playful. For sure. Heath was more dark, I think, and a little uh, more dark than playful. Yes. He was playful. Yes. Uh, that scene where he had the, the pencil. The pencil? The pencil trick? Uh, that's awesome. I love that scene. He is all over the place in that scene, very uh, focused. And he slams his head on that table, gone. Pencil, gone. <laughs> you know, uh, and I think there are a lot of people out there who fell in love with Heath Ledger after this movie. 
They love those uh, superhero movies. But that's a shame because he died after this movie. Uh, Shortly after. Well, no, it it was very close to the end of the filming of this movie. It was still filming when he passed? I thought it was after the filming. Mm. It was pretty close to that. Hmm. It was pretty close. Okay. Because there was a lot of people like, well, what's going on then? Is this movie mm-hmm. going to be done without him? Or, But they filmed almost all of his scenes. Wow, okay, okay. If, if not all of them. There may have been some things that he wanted to go back and redo, maybe yeah. voiceover or whatever. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> a lot of it was done, but he died right after. But he was so great before this, though. Well, people took notice of him after Brokeback. I think. Okay. They're like, whoa, okay, all right, gotcha. Uh, and See, then I loved him in The Patriot. So that's a small role, but it was, he was good. It wasn't that small. Yeah, that was okay. a pretty big role. Yeah, okay, I see it, yeah. It was a long movie. Yeah, he it was mostly Mel Gibson, yeah, of yeah. course, but yeah. that was a pretty good role. That was definitely supporting. It wasn't the lead Now, role. Monster's Ball, was that? that? I think that, that was, of course, before. Yeah, uh, Broke back, I think. Yeah, um, I would think so. Small role there. I love that character. Mm-hmm. That's when he proved to me that he was amazing. But I also want to point out, as an actor, there are a lot of people that love Heath Ledger. Uh, he's beloved, and his passing going the way it did. Way too soon, man. So sad how it happened. People, listen, there's no controversy about Heath Ledger. He was a, a guy who was just restless. He had a hard time sleeping. He was taking um, medication uh, pain relievers and mixing them with sleeping pills. He took too many, and even his sister him, herself warned him weeks before. He the night before. It was at the night before. I heard even the night before. You're you're gonna do something wrong. Yeah. You're gonna take too many pills, and you're not gonna wake up. It's fucking terrible. And that's what happened. Such a sad tale. It, it is. But you, I don't know. It, there's there's no there's no saying what he would have done. And been doing now and and in the future. Uh, God, it's sad. It it's so it touched me so much when I did his episode. The way that Daniel Day Lewis, the way he felt about Heath Ledger, never met him, never met him as a man. You would think that they would run into each other from time to time. Yeah, but but it happens. He was deeply affected by his death. Deeply. Really. He respected his performances so much he couldn't wait to meet him. He said. He looked like he would just been a great guy to meet and to know Son and to know more about bitch, it. Man. So it's a very sad tale. Heath Ledger, number two on our list in The Dark Knight, a revolutionary, touching performance, won Best Supporting Actor As for this role. Have. Well deserved. Uh, we're up to number one, man. We're wrapping it up. Here we are. The countdown is over. <laughs> and our number one guy, Dave, is Bill Kilmer as Doc Holliday in Tombstone in 1993. No other actor will play Doc Holliday better. No, it it doesn't even compare. Dennis Quaid did it. Yeah, I love Dennis good. Quaid. It was good. It was good, and I like that movie too. But Val Kilmer, but you, 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 you talk about nailing a role. I'm speechless. And this is nailing. Um, I'm actually speechless because I didn't have that much to talk about it. I sat down to write out a few notes, and I put this. Nobody nailed a role better than Kilmer as Doc Holliday. He defined cool. And that is exactly what he was. Fucking cool in this film. He lays on a bed of ice during his death scene. Underneath him, as he's dying, 
he had a bed of ice underneath him <laughs> to, to make to it make seem him, more deli- believable. To, to, to make him shiver and to make him uncomfortable. Yeah, make him feel weird. Yep. That would definitely be weird. Yeah. And uh, he died with his boots off in the film. He, and he, when he looks down at his feet and he goes, he says something like, oh my. It's because well, he said earlier that he wanted to die with his boots on. And I always wondered why he looked down at his feet. He goes, oh no. Well, his... in. This is historically accurate, apparently, is that his last words, Doc Holliday's last words were, I'll be damned. That's what it does. I'll be damned. Because he didn't have his boots on. Well. Right? The, well. Is that, not, is that not right? There's theories of why he said that, Doc Holliday. Okay. okay. There's theories of, like, he figured I would die in the, you know, in a gunfight. I would die in a. Right. That's how he wanted to die. Yeah. In a blaze of glory. Not. Not on a deathbed. That upset like him. He had tur- tuberculosis. Here we go. Tuberculosis. We're good at talking. Uh, so there's theories out there as why Doc Holliday said okay. that, but that is true. Those were his last words. Um, Vel Kilmer is an actor that I don't know. I watch Heat. Love his character. I watch The Doors and am blown away by his Jim Morrison performance. Yes. I mean, yes. people, come on now. And the way he tackled this role, I don't know what he did. Where he went, what research he did, but by God, did he just become that guy. It, it was simple things of uh, his choice to, when they're walking to the OK Corral. Yeah. It was his choice to whistle mm-hmm. on the way there. Th- those little moments, those choices, are that those are the things that you know they can't teach you. No, in a class. Great point, Dave. They can. Th- those are those are moments that it's so simple. Organically coming out out of this thing that you create to, within yourself with uh, outside sources, they use everything. Mm-hmm. In that moment, he felt like whistling, so he did. A choice an actor makes, and it just enriches the character, enriches the performance. Um, there's a scene where Billy Bob Thornton's character gets slapped around a little bit, and they're all talking in the street, and Billy Bob Thornton's just kind of just standing there after he gets beaten, like, uh, am I okay to go now? <laughs> it doesn't Val Kilmer go, oh, I didn't realize you were still here. <laughs> you right. can go now. <laughs> yes. Just little yes. things like that. It's, it's pretty much every line... That he has so perfectly delivered. Yeah, it's it's um, it's almost hard to believe, and it's 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 impressive on the same level of just like to nail every single line that you have. Not as easy. An actor, not easy. Is really hard to do. Mm-mm. Um, the scene. I don't, I hate doing this, but I'm gonna do it anyways. Go ahead. Talking about scenes. Oh, look, honey, it's Johnny Ringo. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect example of what you're talking about, the delivery. It's just it's, so... It's all in the delivery. It's, and they always say it's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's how you say it, and, exactly. And, and Val Kilmer is the epitome of that notion. In this role. In this role. Yes. Even the way he looks. He looks like he's about to die through the whole movie. He's so pale and he looks sick. He really yes. looks sick. Yes, he does. It looks like he's uh, on the verge of death. And then he is at one point. 
and then he reemerges again to help, you know, Kurt Russell and all them go out and shoot up all the cowboys. And he's right back riding on the horse and he's bleeding from the mouth, coughing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, there's, it, I don't know. There, 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 I mean, it's not only the character because, you know, he's kind of, he's, he's dying. He's, he, he mentions how in that, that, in that part at the end where he's helping Wyatt Earp. Yeah. And, um, Wyatt Earp's troop, mm-hmm. so to speak, is just like, why are you helping him anyways? Mm-hmm. He's like, well, Wyatt's my friend. Mm-hmm. And like, well, I got a lot of friends. Yeah. Yeah, well, I don't. Yeah, and he's like, I, I don't have a lot of friends. And, and it's just, <laughs> you feel so, like, connected. You, you're like, connected to him. Yeah, you're just like, you get it, you love him. You just love that just character. Like, Man, you're fucking awesome. You're rooting for this guy. You right. love him. You can't wait to see him again when he comes on yeah, screen. Exactly. And, and I, f- and, yeah. And that's the epitome, and that's really what we're getting at with these best supporting actors. They're yeah. not the leads. They're not the... The, 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 the meat of it. The Right. Okay. But, and, and, and it's that... It's that character just like, where the hell, when is he coming back on screen? When is she coming back on screen? Right. That's the whole point. And I'm glad we did this episode, Dave. This was a great idea. This was all Dave's idea. You know, why don't we just do, like, best supporting actors and talk about them? I'm like, okay. It sounds good to me. So that's exactly what we did. We came up with a list and we emailed back and forth to each other, and then we had the hard task of ranking them, which is not easy, and I went ahead and combined our rankings, and this is how we measured up. Yeah, it's a loose ranking. It's very I, loose. I think it, it gets closer, you know, we, we, we definitely wanted Val Comer as number one. Yeah. And and Heath Ledger was obviously a, a close... Second. A f- yeah. Close second. Yeah, he really was. He, and, and I think that comes down to age almost, because we grew up with Tombstone. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And if you grew up kind of watching Heath Ledger as Joker, and I get it, he he may be a number one for you, or maybe someone else. And that's the thing, and I mentioned this in the previous episode, let us know who your favorite sporting cat... Dude, yeah. we don't know. I mean, yeah. we, we grew up in a different time, and we watched certain movies at a different time, and um, if there's people that we missed, or and I know we did. Oh, yeah, we, we did. We were mentioning Sam Rockwell and yeah. Miles. yeah. Um, there's a lot. Yeah. Of course, that's still in our same yeah. <laughs> yeah. age of, you know, watching movies. Yeah, yeah. But, good uh, stuff, man. <clears throat> really good stuff this episode. Uh, the two-parter, splitting it up between comedy and drama. And this was the drama section. Some great performances. And this is, a, like Dave said, a good time to comment. To go ahead and leave really comments. Yeah. Throw out a name. Be like, guys, what about this person? Yeah, put it on Facebook. Put it on Instagram. I'm going to go on sometime this week and put it on Instagram. Put a little picture up. Uh, and go ahead and leave comments. It's very easy to do on Instagram. Do it on Facebook. I have a website. You could do it there as well if you want to go on yeah. the website. Because there could be a point where we can do like a part two of like, hey, we miss all these people. You guys put up enough comments of someone that we miss. We could do, we could touch upon all of those. Yeah, and put a whole episode together. Yeah. Why not? Why the hell not? It okay. needs to be more interactive. It does need to be more interactive. So go ahead and do that. We'd really appreciate it. It enriches the show. And this show is called The Actors Room. Here I am with my brother Dave. And uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Go on the website, theactorsroom.lipson.com. And also don't forget this. On the website, I have a donate button. I've only got one donation, $5. It was great. Hey, thank you. Whoever sent that, 
You're awesome. But we need more donations, you know? Make us feel good about what we're doing. That we're doing a good job. So please do that if you can. Um, Dave, anything else you want to leave as we drift away? Uh, no, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, it was a good time. I had a, I had a good time going through all these characters and um, uh, trying to remember all the... That's another thing, trying to remember yeah. all of these characters. It was kinda fun kind of doing that. You know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's where I know we left out a lot. I know tomorrow I'm going to wake up and be like, holy shit. Forgot about that, that person. person out of there. <laughs> um, and, and, and that's where I'm saying that the, the comments could really help with that, you know? Um, yeah. Refresh our memories. Go ahead and do that. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. Have a good one. Put that movie in tonight. Put in Tombstone. Watch Val Kilmer act his ass off because that's what he did. So inspirational. I might watch that tomorrow. I might put that in. All right. Thanks again. Have a good one.